Which MLB organizations are the best and worst at the MLB draft? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So on this show a couple times, I've talked about the value of paying for baseball content. There are There's really good stuff out there from tons of different people, whether they have a Twitter account, a podcast, a Substack, whatever it may be. We've had some of them on the show, like Chris Clegg of the Dynasty Dugout. Uh, I got an article last week from the Substack Down on the Farm. David Girth and Josh Whitmer wrote it, and it was about which organizations were best and most successful at drafting. And this is taking like getting players to the bigs and getting positive impact out of them. And the results were really interesting. I wanted to share those, give some thoughts. I'll link the piece in the show notes. It's a free article on their Substack, but again, you need to go subscribe. Get they, they are they deserve your money just a lot of these other creators deserve your money. So, the best drafting organization and the time frame is 2014 through 2021. We'll get to that in a minute. The best drafting organization was the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, when you look at the standings for the St. Louis Cardinals and you see how they're doing this year, it doesn't feel like they probably should be number one on this list. The Cardinals are 40, uh, 44 and 56. They're 11 games back in the National League Central. They are in fourth place behind, ahead of only the Pittsburgh Pirates who started off super hot and then fell back. And so that's going to be a little frustrating, but what this is looking at is how good they are at drafting and developing their talent and getting them to the bigs. And so, yes, they've missed on some guys. They've missed on some high round draft picks, but look at who has been successful for them and who they've been able to get to the bigs and get positive outcomes. Just this year, you've got Jordan Walker, you've got Nolan Gorman. Those are more recent draft picks that have worked out. Uh, think about guys that started in this organization that have gone somewhere else. Zach Gallen was a draft pick of the St. Louis Cardinals, and they've been very good. And then the other reason that they're in there is because they've done really well in some of the later rounds. We always talk about, you know, your first rounders. If you remember when we covered this before the draft, a first round pick has a 50-50 shot of making it to the big leagues, right? On average, half of all first-round picks make it to the bigs. Once you get out of the first round, that drops significantly and quickly. And when you look at some of the guys that they have done a good job of getting to the bigs from outside the first round, and the piece does a great job of highlighting Tommy Edmond, 2016 sixth-rounder, Brandon Donovan, 2018 seventh-rounder, Lars Newtbar, 2018 eighth-rounder. It's all young, controllable talent that is making an impact at the major league level. And using the methodology in here, which we'll get to a little bit later, uh, the Tommy Edmond is actually the most valuable 
member of that group based off of what you did here. Harrison Bader is another guy who's contributed a lot of value at the MLB level, despite not being on that team right now. But the St. Louis Cardinals have done a very good job of that. Now, one of the things I'll notice is that when you look at the top 10 guys outside of Zach Gallen, who accumulated just about all of this in a different team with Arizona, a lot of these guys are position players. And this gets back to one of the complaints that I had about the Cardinals right around the time of the draft. And we actually heard them acknowledge this uh, after the draft. They talked about they went with a different type of pitcher. I made the observation that it seemed like St. Louis was allergic to getting uh, pitchers with very high ceilings. They went for very safe profiles of pitchers. And so because of that, They're in that situation that I've been talking about now for it seems like a full year where all of their pitchers are number three, number four, number five sinker slider ground ball contact guys. And they have not really had that high ceiling thing. And John Mazalak on July 17th addressed the media and was talking about the fact they're going to be sellers at the deadline. Like they've acknowledged that's going to happen. And they've said that they have change the way that they are evaluating evaluating pitchers. They used to prioritize pitch to contact guys who could get a lot of ground balls, things like that, because the team had a very good defense, the team had very good defensive positioning, all of that stuff. And because for the most part, like they would be able to hoover up those ground balls and those pitchers were good enough. Now that you have one defensive restrictions, the, the shift ban, Rules on defensive positioning, you have to have two guys at either side of second base. You have to have all all eight feet of the infielders have to be on the dirt, things like that. The defense hasn't looked nearly as great. There's some other things in there as well with personnel. Think about Nolan Gorman at second base, not his natural position, but you got to fit him in somewhere. And so they have prioritized looking for guys with higher whiff rates versus prioritizing that pitch to contact guy. So they're making adjustments, but in the past, They've been very good at evaluating the position players. So if they can start to hit on the pitchers, the new type of pitchers they're taking, they're going to get out of the cellar rather quickly and get back to being a top team in the National League Central. Now, the worst team via this metric, and it's probably not a huge shock, is going to be the Colorado Rockies. Now it's something, part of this is the value I'm sorry, part of this is the time frame, right? It's based on when this was done. And again, I'm getting to the methodology in a minute. But it's just something where they've not made fantastic picks. They haven't developed these guys. And so it's they have been the absolute worst simply because they're not hitting on their guys or the guys that they're taking are longer window guys, take a long time to get to the bigs. So it's, it's, this is something where, and there's a, actually a spot in the article where they theorize, are they overvaluing the risk in the stadium when they evaluate pitchers? Are they looking at the different type of, uh, I, I, are they automatically ruling out certain types of pitchers because of where they play and the disadvantage pitching has in that ballpark? It'll be interesting to see going forward, does Colorado change what they do? And there's a quote in here, 
from Bill Schmidt, we're not the Dodgers, we're the Colorado Rockies, we scout, draft, and develop. Based on the fact I'm about to talk about the Dodgers as one of the best, maybe you should consider being more like the Dodgers, and we're seeing the Cardinals be a very good team at development and still changing the way they do things. The methodology on this is using war, but it's not just looking at how much war you got from each draft class because that's impacted by how many picks you have and where you pick and all of that. I'll get into the methodology next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Think about going to an event you're really excited for. Maybe it's a concert, maybe it's a sporting event, maybe it's a comedy show, a play, whatever. Trying to get tickets to it should not be stressful. Game Time's the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all of these events near you. You can get killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. So you don't have to stress out about tickets. You can just go out and get ready to have fun. For, what's great about the Game Time Guarantee is you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on Game Time, we'll credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get an image of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly where you'll be sitting and what to expect. You buy them in a matter of seconds, just a couple taps on your phone, and they go directly to your phone. You're not digging through email. You're not printing stuff out. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account, use, use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, so we're talking about the organizations that have been the best and the worst at drafting. Uh, and the time frame for this is 2014 through 2021. And let me explain the methodology that David and Josh use in this. So I mentioned that they're going off of war, but you can't just look at war for each player that was drafted and add them up. You have to account for where in the draft you're choosing, how many picks you have, and all of that. So the couple things to understand about how they did this is one, the time frame 2014 through 2021. Some people are going to ask, why are you not going sooner you know, rather than just stopping at 2021? Because most draft picks from 2022 and 2023 have not made the big leagues yet. So it is unlikely that a guy that was drafted in 2021 Unless he is the best prospect in that class, it's unlikely that they've made the bigs and had enough time to actually accumulate some more. That's reason one for the cutoff being 2021. Now, the first part of that is at a certain point, you just have to stop, right? Because you have to figure out when you're going to have turnover. We don't want to give, let's say, we don't want to give St. Louis credit for a draft pick somebody else made 20 years ago. You go out there, you've picked 2014. It's a nice seven, eight year window. For the most part, a guy from those from, from 2014, if he's not made the bigs by now, he's not going to make the bigs. For the most part, you've had time for these guys to come up and actually accumulate war. Now, that's the other part of the methodology that I like what they did here. I like what David and Josh did, is they went through and looked at for each spot in the draft, what was the median war that pick produced in the last 15 seasons? For instance, guys drafted number one overall. In the last 15 years, how much war did they accumulate so that we can figure out 
okay, how much should we expect the average first round pick to do? And they do that all the way through for every pick in the top 10 rounds. Because again, 11 through 20 is a little bit speculative and you really can't count on any of those to do it. You're this way by taking the expected war from those picks versus the actual war. You're looking to see, you're controlling for where in the draft somebody is picking and how many players they are picking. And you're seeing how did they draft or how much, how, what kind of performance did they get based on what the average team has gotten over the last 15 years. And as you can tell, that means it's going to be weighted a bit for those players that dramatically outperform their war. We have that coming up in just a second. Using that methodology, the number two team on this list, and isn't necessarily a shocker if you think about it, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're up there. It is a dramatic variety of different players. You look at the top 10 guys that they had. Walker Bueller is, it was a, it was a 24th overall pick. Over, over 15 more. He's way up there. Will Smith, the catcher, was taken number 32. Tony Gonsolin, Gavin Lux, Dustin May, Dean Kramer, even though he's an Oriole now. Luke Rayleigh, James Altman. It's, you can see it's representing everything. There's starting pitching in there. There's, there's infielders. There's outfielders. And for the most part, it's pretty well distributed. Yes, they get a lot of input from Bueller and Smith, but they've got Tony Gonsolin's close to seven war. Gavin Lux, despite being out this year, is four plus war in his career. Dustin Mays just below four war. It's really good numbers and it's well distributed. And that's one of those things we think about. We talked about it last week. The Dodgers player development is second to none. And they do a very good job at identifying the types of players that do well in their organization and getting those guys uh, through the minors and to the bigs. So I'm not surprised at all that the Dodgers are number two. Now, when you look at the second worst, this is one of the areas where there's a little bit of adjustment based on the dates, right? The Detroit Tigers come in 29th in this exercise. If you're going 2015 through 2021, they don't have anybody who's gotten more than four war. Now, what helps is Tariq Skubal was picked number 255. He is their leader over that time frame. Uh, but a lot of these guys, it's just Casey Mize is on their number one overall. They've gotten less than two war because he was out with, with surgery. Riley Green was his second best. He was a fifth overall pick, and they've gotten just under three war for him at time of writing. And you can see that they haven't done a great job. It's been something Matt Manning's been okay. Casey Mize obviously has had all the injuries. But some of the other issue with this is they've had high picks that have not worked out. So not only have they not gotten the production from non-first rounders, with the exception of Tariq Skubal, but they also have missed on some top guys. And so they are not all, they are negative compared to where they should be, which, spoiler alert, most teams are. There's only four teams who are positive, who have done better than expected, but they are just around negative 50 war. So they have significantly underperformed where they should be. Now, there is some flaws with this approach. And one of them is the time frame. You can see that here because a lot of the Tigers' young players 
are just now getting up to the bigs. I'm thinking about a guy like a Spencer Torkelson, Jackson Loeb, things like that. But there are a couple flaws to this approach, and I'm going to get to those next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Uh, we are going through uh, the best and worst drafting teams of really the last decade. Again, this is an article from Down on the Farm, Substack, written by David Gerth and Josh Whitmer. Absolutely worth your money to go out there and subscribe. They do fantastic work. And it's just another example of how you do not need to go to, to the major outlets like ESPN and The Athletic to find quality baseball content. This is a very well-written, very well-researched and written piece. The two teams, like the third best team and the 27th best team, so the third best and the third worst, kind of illustrate a little bit of some of the flaws in this system, right? So let's take the number three team. It's the Houston Astros. If you look at, uh, at how like them being so high, it's very much driven by two players. They had the number two overall pick. They took Alex Bregman. He's had over 32 war in this sample. They had the number five pick. They took Kyle Tucker. He's had just under 14 war. Now, they have done a very good job, and I was very, I noticed when I looked at this list that outside of that, everybody else in their top 10 has been guys that were not only outside the first round, but a lot of them were outside the top 100. Patrick Sandoval, despite being an angel, he's on here. He's third on this list. That's McCormick, Miles Straw, Jeremy Pena, Hunter Brown. Like they've done a very good job of developing guys outside of the first round. And so like they absolutely get credit for that. They they deserve credit for developing those guys. But they're ranked third because Alex Bregman has had the most war of any player drafted since 2015. Like like he's like almost 33. And arguably you have the number two overall pick. You need to be taking a player that can do that, right? That can be that good for your organization. Uh, And him and Kyle Tucker same draft, top two, top five picks have carried them on this list. But it's something where because they've been so successful, and they acknowledge this in the piece, because they've been so successful, their picks have been towards the back of the first round. And so it's harder to get an impact player when you are back there. Just using the war you got versus the war that you were expected to get doesn't necessarily help you when you're ranking everybody by total war because you have less of a chance to get an impact player that can carry you like you did a Bregman and a Tucker. The other flaw in the methodology is the timing. And I don't, like, I'm not trying to say, that, say this is bad. I'm just trying to present both sides of this. The other flaw in this is because of that specific timing being 2014 through 2021. So if you've had very good player acquisition Either towards the tail end of that, if you made a change and in the, in the 19, the 20, the 21 drafts, you did really well, that's not going to reflect in here for the most part. The third team on this, like the third worst team to so the 27th is the Cincinnati Reds. And it's something where they're led by Jonathan India, who's just over four war. They've got catcher Tyler Stevenson, pitcher Hunter Green, reliever Alexis Diaz, and it's something where Nick Lodola was a number seven overall pick. He was the only pitcher inside the top 10 that year. 
but because of the injuries and things like that he's, that he's had, he's not had the time to develop and get the war that something like this is measuring, right? Uh, he's just under two war and pitchers getting injured are par- is part of it. But from what we've seen, he looks like he's going to be a very good piece. He may not be like if you redo that draft, he may not be the number seven overall pick, but he's going to be a like he is a first round talent and he's going to give you first round war production. But because the time frame is so close to where he was drafted, when you have an injury that keeps you out for a little while, like he has, you're in a situation here where it's not necessarily giving you credit like you pro- like it probably should. Or it, you're not getting the credit for it that you should. Hunter Green is the number three guy on this list. Another guy who has missed some time with injury. And that makes it difficult. Now, I will point out, I like the distribution of position players to hitters here. Alexis Diaz, number 355. Pick 355 has been a very good deal. Graham Ashcraft's on this list as well. There are plenty of pitchers on here, but then you have position players as well. Taylor Trammell is on there. Jimmy Herget is on there. But outside of those two guys, they haven't had a ton of success with their first rounders. Jonathan India, Hunter Green, obviously Matt McClain. Looks like he's going to be good, but he also just got to the bigs this year. And so he's rare. He has, he's had very little time to accumulate the war that you would expect to bring them up on this list. If you redo this exact same project in a year and a half, two years from now, you're probably going to have the Reds, not significantly higher, but higher than you have them now. You're not going to have them 20, you know, 28th, 27th in baseball. You're going to have them closer to the middle. You're also going to have teams that are very young right now that have had a lot of guys called up like the Baltimore Orioles. You're going to have them move up this list significantly as well. They're 17th right now, and it feels based on the strength of their farm system. They're going to rise in this when you extend this window out into the future and you pull up that beginning measurement there because they've made changes in how they evaluate players. They're probably the most model heavy team there is, and it's worked out. The only teams that are positive, meaning that they have gotten more war relative to what was expected per this chart, Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Cleveland Guardians. Those are the only four teams that are positive, meaning they have outproduced what you would the average war that comes from the picks that they had. Now, Again, there's some teams like the Astros where a couple players really pull that up. The Atlanta Braves are fifth. The Tampa Bay Rays are sixth. And I think when I say that's not incredibly surprising to anybody, those are teams that are considered to be very good drafters. Number seven is the Boston Red Sox. I think that's something where we don't necessarily give the Boston Red Sox the credit that they probably should get for having been a good drafting organization and doing well. And they have another wave of players that are either just getting to the bigs like a Brian Bellow or are on their way to the bigs like a Marcelo Meyer that could significantly change this. The other thing, and I'm not going to say a flaw with this methodology, but this doesn't tell the entire picture because it doesn't count international players. This is just the MLB draft. And so because of that, there's teams that are very good at international free agency that maybe get underrated. The Houston Astros are a team that have done a very good job at getting pitching from international free agents. The Atlanta Braves are a team that have gotten outsized contributions back when they were allowed to sign international free agents. 
from guys like Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies. They've been able to get very good contributions from international free agents as well. The Reds, another team, Eloy De La Cruz, could, if he was part of this chart in a couple of years, he could completely change where they are on this chart, but he's not on here because it doesn't count international free agents. All in all, very good article, very educational, and it's a good way to try to find an objective measure of how these teams did and why they did or why they're, they're rated where they are. Again, I'm going to link it in the show notes. Uh, the Substack is down on the farm. The authors were David Gerth and Josh Whitmer. And again, if you have had doubts about paying for independent journalism, there are tons of great places. If you're a Dynasty baseball player, uh, the Dynasty Dugout with Chris Clegg. Can't recommend that enough. That on the farm. Prospect-oriented Substack. A lot of really good information out there if you are willing to throw a couple bucks their way. Uh, fantastic week coming up this week. We've got some more draft talk. We're talking to the Cincinnati Reds. We're talking about the Chicago Cubs. More fun stuff coming up. Uh, and until then, if you have questions for our Monday mailbag, remember, tons of ways to get them to us. You can tweet me, uh, email, our Discord, all of that. But the best way is probably our subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a